You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. As COVID-19 cases continue to rise and to set new records each day, remember that the world that exists post-COVID will be determined by the kind of people we choose to be right now during COVID. Will we be people who sacrifice others? Welcome to the Jesus for Everyone podcast. My name is Herb Montgomery, and this is episode 334, and our title is Systems of Sacrifice. In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus says, If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. That's Matthew 12, 7. And in John's gospel, uh, we read in John 3, 17, Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be, and I translate it as, healed through him. The word John uses here is often translated as saved in this gospel, especially, rather than healed. That word there is sozo. And in other gospels, translators more often emphasize healing. And in Matthew 9, 21 through 22, the word here is sozo. It says, she said to herself, if I I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. And that word there is the same as uh, we find in John 3, 17. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. That again is sozo. And the woman was healed at that moment. In Mark 5, 23, the same story, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. Again, the word there is sozo. And in Mark 6.56, wherever he went into villages, towns, and countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. And again, that word is sozo. These aren't just texts where scholars can argue the meaning of a word. The word sozo represents actually the entire Jesus story. The story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is the story of a Jesus who went about, according to Acts 10, uh, verse 38, doing good and healing all. In these Gospels, salvation is not about Jesus making a sacrifice that allows a, a cosmic being to let us off the hook. Rather, it's about healing. The Jesus of the canonical Gospels brought personal healing, and he also called for societal and systemic healing, a society that included and prioritized the excluded and the marginalized. Jesus's political and economic protest in the temple courtyard was standing up to systems uh, that, that, that sacrifice the vulnerable, and specifically it was the poor widows and the fatherless. In Mark 12, 40 through 43, 
we find this story, Jesus makes the accusation first. They, talking about the elite through the temple services, they devour widows' houses. And in Mark 12, 42-43, it says, But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put into the treasury more than all the others. Again, it was the exploitation of the poor, especially within a patriarchal society where the widows were being taken advantage of. They were specifically, because of the the patriarchal nature of that community, they were particularly vulnerable uh, to the economic exploitations of the system. James 1.27, that's why we read, I believe, uh, religion that God accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress. And I also want to note, because some people repeatedly bring Jesus's temple protest to my attention in an attempt to ignore Jesus's nonviolent teachings, that Jesus's actions in the temple were not because of a violent fit of rage or, or Jesus losing his temper. His protest was premeditated, it was intentional, and it was purposeful. We find that in Mark 11, 11, and it's in perfect harmony with his teachings on nonviolent resistance, even given the property damage that was involved. Jesus valued people over profit and the property of the privileged and powerful. And his protest shut down the economic activities of the temple that day, making it impossible for things to continue as normal. It reminds me of, of Sam Wells' uh, words in the introduction to, to Binding the Strongman, a political reading of Mark's story of Jesus by Ched Myers. Uh, Sam Wells writes, The one thing everyone seems to agree on today is that there's plenty wrong with the world. There are only two responses to this. Either go and put it right yourself, or if you can't, make life pretty uncomfortable for those who can until they do. When we take stock of our relationship with the powerful, we ask ourselves, does the shape of my life reflect my longing to see God set people free, and do I challenge those who keep others in slavery? Jesus was making life uncomfortable for the powerful of his day. So the gospel authors attached Jesus's protest in the temple that day to the words found in Jeremiah, Jeremiah 7, 9 through 11, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim there this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, you who enter these gates to worship the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, amend your ways and your doings and let let me dwell with you in this place. Do not trust in these deceptive words. This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. For you, if you truly amend your ways and your doings, if you truly act justly one with another, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the orphan, and the widow, or shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not go after other gods to your own hurt, 
Then I will dwell with you in this place, in the land that I gave of old to your ancestors forever and ever. Will you steal, murder, commit adultery, swear falsely, and make offerings to Baal, and go after other gods that you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are safe, only to go on doing all of these abominations? Has this house, which is called by my name, become a den of robbers in your sight. Both, uh, that again, that's Jeremiah 7, 9 through 11. Both Jeremiah's and Jesus' society, they had grown into a system of oppression where those who were vulnerable, the foreigner, the orphan, the widow, the innocent, they were sacrificed for the benefit of those in power. And this also brings to mind how our working population today is being sacrificed in the name of the economy during this COVID-19 pandemic. The Jesus story calls us away from a way of life that sacrifices foreigners, orphans, widows, and innocent victims, anyone who's vulnerable. The gospel story ties social healing to our choice to, to end systems that sacrifice people and to start a different way of doing life. Economic and political systems of sacrifice that demand the death of innocent victims for the benefit of the masses were the focus of Jesus's protest that day. It also doesn't matter whether the sacrificial system is, is militaristic, whether it depends on the death of our political enemies or our patriotic enemies or, or our religion of war that sacrifices the present generation uh, that, that, that it recruits and assumes that citizens are worthy of their sacrifices. It doesn't matter whether the sacrificial system is, is, is religious, rooted in fear of the divine or based on the shunning or, or marginalization and, and scapegoating of those that are, are deemed less than or, or others to, 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 to maintain the, the favor of a god or gods. There's many ways that we can sacrifice innocent victims. It doesn't matter if the sacrificial system is economic, whether it's driven by greed and sacrificing essential workers to maintain the lifestyle of those at the top of the social pyramid. The Jesus story does not affirm those political, patriotic, religious, or economic holy places of sacrifice, those, those dirty, rotten systems, as Dorothy Day called them. In the Jesus narrative, our future hope is not found in sacrifice, but in a more distributively just future where everyone has what they need to thrive. The story calls for a new beginning of a world where, where we bend our society's moral arc toward justice, towards compassion and inclusion and, and equity. Jesus' Last Supper with his disciples even invites us to be the kind of people who work toward a world while we continue an ongoing critique of, of the way our world is sacrificially shaped. In uh, uh, Brock and Parker's book, Saving Paradise, How Christianity Traded Love of the World for Crucifixion and Empire, on page 31, speaking of the Last Supper, it says, It is in food and drink offered equally to everyone that the presence of God and Jesus is found. But food and drink are 
are the material bases of life. So the Lord's Supper is political criticism and economic challenge as well as sacred rite and liturgical worship. The Jesus story calls us to first recognize systems that are maintained by the sacrifice of others and then to live our lives in opposition to them. Ultimately, systems of sacrifice, they're not sustainable. As our original passage reminds us, the Jesus story is about healing the brokenness of our world. And that healing begins with saying no to systems of sacrifice. Earlier this year, many were willing to sacrifice elderly people for the economy. I was deeply alarmed by the rhetoric that was being heard during that time. And then when black communities and communities of color were disproportionately, it was shown to be disproportionately impacted by COVID-19, their deaths were also a sacrifice that many were willing to make. And then came the willingness to sacrifice essential workers, uh, making them more expendable than essential. And people's obstinate refusal even now to wear a mask in the name of individual freedom expresses a willingness to sacrifice someone else. Most recently, the system is proving willing to sacrifice our children to force local governments to reopen their schools during a, a pandemic. There will be, we're, we're seeing now also a, a housing and food crisis uh, if we don't find another way. All of this doesn't have to be the case. We can allow COVID to, to inspire us to create a more life-giving society where the most vulnerable people are prioritized and cared for, or we can uh, pass this opportunity by. If we don't, this crisis is only going to deepen our willingness to sacrifice people's lives, and the status quo will remain unchanged. As COVID-19 cases continue to rise and to set new records each day, remember that the world that exists post-COVID will be determined by the kind of people we choose to be right now during COVID. Will we be people who sacrifice others? Will we be people of sacrifice? Or will we choose a more perfect union, one that this time around is rooted in the golden rule and, and love of neighbor. Again, Matthew's Jesus said, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would not have condemned uh, the innocent. Heart group application this week. We at Renewed Heart Ministries, we're still continuing to ask all heart groups not to meet together physically at this time. If you're going to meet together, please do so virtually and, and practice safe physical distancing. When you do go out, remember to keep a, a six-foot distance between you and us others, wear a mask, and continue to, to wash your hands as we continue to try to stop the spread uh, of this virus. This is a time where, as a heart group, you can practice the, the resource sharing and the mutual aid that's found in the Gospels and the teachings of Jesus, and make sure that others in your group have what they need. This is a time where we can still work together and prioritizing protecting those that are the most vulnerable within our heart group. How many ways can you think of, can you come up with to take care of each other while we are physically uh, apart? At heart group application number one this week. Share something with your group that spoke to you from either this week's Eastside or podcast. However you uh, 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 internalize this information. 
uh, whether it was reading the, the East Side or just listening to this podcast, share something that that spoke to you from it. Number two, what are some ways that uh, that you can imagine our society in the U.S. responding to COVID nineteen that doesn't sacrifice the vulnerable or those disproportionately impacted, or or or, or in a way that doesn't sacrifice those. Uh, uh, that are deemed uh, to be expendable, that doesn't deem any human life expendable. How has politicizing our present pandemic placed vulnerable groups in the path of sacrifice? And discuss that with your group. And then number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of, of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate and just home for everyone discuss that with your group and then pick something from the discussion to to put into practice this upcoming week thank you for checking in with us today right where you are keep living in love choosing compassion and taking action keep working towards justice i love each one of you dearly i'll see you next week Mm -hmm.